on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man who likes a top five countdown more than Newman loves Drake's coffee cake. Here is our captain. Yeah, that's your big boy. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Today we are drinking one of our favorite holiday treats. That's right. It's that time of year. Time for Christmas ale by the good folks over at Great Lakes Brewing Company. They call this a winter ale. I call it Christmas ale because it's just too damn special to be called a winter ale. I like mine ice cold in a frosty mug. This beer has a bright and uplifting taste with hints of fresh honey cinnamon and ginger garage grade four and a half bottle caps out of five and here's a cheers to some bright and uplifting garage guys and gals first up a christmas cheers to jenny o in monrovia california yeah jenny o we like it to you and a big shout out to jill in hall iowa here's a big thank you to denise in loveland colorado denise we like your gym And a big shout out to Chris in Bloomington, Indiana. Here we go, Captain. We have a cheers for Allison in Vallejo, California. And last but certainly not least, we have Catherine Q in Glen Burnie, Maryland. Thank you to everyone who contributed to this week's beer fund. Thank you to everyone who contributed to this beer fund for the entire year. We thank all of you. Yeah, B-W-E-R-U-N, Beer Run. Thank you for the support. Thank you for listening. 2020 was tough on everybody, but you guys made it a lot easier on us. So much love to you. And that is enough for the last time of 2020 of the business. All right, everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. All right, today we are talking about the best of all time. That's right, the best of all time for True Crime Garage, the captain's favorite shows, the colonel's favorite shows. Hopefully, they're your favorite shows as well. We're going to have a little little party, so let the uh, drinks flow, my friends. Let the good times roll, they say. Yeah, a little bonus show for everybody for the Christmas and holiday break. But I wanted to say something real quick before we get to the party. I Just something that irritated me just a little bit, and I just thought, what's this world coming to? And then it kind of corrected itself. And all So here, here it is. Time Life magazine put uh, Biden and Harris as the person of the year. 
again, this is not a political statement, so don't get this twisted. That's fine if you think they're the person of the year. And But this bothered me because in this time of this pandemic, there's been so many other people that have been very important to this pandemic and what everybody's been going through and dealing with in 2020. But when I went to go rant about this, I went to Time Life magazine, and and if you go to the readers' poll, the readers said that they would have voted for essential workers, nurses, doctors, delivery people, grocery store employees. Those have been the real heroes of 2020. And I'll go a little step further. Anybody that's had to work from home, that had to struggle with that, anybody that had to work from home and had to also step up and be the teacher for your par- uh, for your kids, all the small business owners that have been suffering through this time, and some people have lost their business, Those, all those people that I just named have been the real heroes of 2020 and that give me hope in 2021. So that's my little rant. Not to bring down the party, now it's time to party, but to all those people, I cheers you, and we see you. Here in the garage, we see you, mm-hmm. and we love you. Mm-hmm. See you. Rant you. over. Cracking of the beer. Sounds delicious. All right. We are here to talk about our top five each, the Colonel's top five, the Captain's top five for all-time true crime garage shows. I'm going to throw out a couple of honorable mentions, ones that certainly crossed my mind, basically because of one very simple fact, is that several cases that we've covered over the years, we've actually been asked by law enforcement, hey, would you take a look at this case? Would you cover it on your show? Because we know that the garage reaches a lot of ears and we need some help. So A couple of shout outs on some of those cases. They were cases as follows. The Invisible Man, we were asked by the Sheriff's Department in Indiana to help them locate an individual that they believe to have been uh, committed several crimes and been on the run, stealing identities and such. Sharice Bingham Walker, the murdered wife who was murdered in a park and the Indiana State Police asked us if we would cover that case. Taylor Robinson from Northeast Ohio, Tyler Davis. Now we weren't necessarily asked by law enforcement to cover that case. Tyler Davis went missing from the greater Columbus area. And what happened was the captain jumped into action and reached out to his wife who was with him the night that he went missing and said, Hey, would you, would you talk to me? on the phone or would you want to do an interview for the show? And then he covered his bases by checking with local law enforcement, talking to them about the night that Tyler went missing and and saying, Hey, should I do this? And of course, law enforcement said, yes, we, we want to hear what she has to say. And then of course the Barbara Blatnick case, which was one that we covered in July of 2019. That one is on my honorable mentions simply because it's a case that the Porchlight project helped uh, to solve. And I, I had said when we started this little garage adventure over five years ago that, you know what, one day I hope to solve a case. And, and I, and I heard some chuckles in the room when I said that, and I understand it was maybe something cheesy or just wishful thinking, but in a way the garage has helped several cases. We've been, we've been lucky because We've covered some cases that were unsolved at the time and later were solved, some soon after. And the captain and I both believe that if you throw some good energy out into the universe, sometimes it boomerangs back and and good things happen. So, In all fairness, we're chuckling at you because you're naked, running around in the garage, sweating, saying, I'm going to solve every case. And so that's why we were chuckling. We weren't chuckling at you solving cases we're chuckling at your pp none none of that is true (laughs) (laughs) or maybe it is 
Okay. You'll never know. Captain had a rant. Top five. Colonel had a rant. Who goes first, Captain? You or I? You go first. Okay. I, I just want to start off by saying I had to redo my list. This is the second list I did because I went back to the beginning. And I think because of like nostalgia and stuff, my top five was like all the cases were like within our first hundred episodes. And then I thought, well, I hear every day that our show gets better and better. So that probably means some of the shows from back in the day were awful, which is totally fine. But I think it was like a nostalgia thing that I was like, oh, I remember that. I remember the good times. So I had those on the list. And then eventually I was like, wait, all these are within the first hundred shows. I need to, this can't be right. So then I went back and did the list correctly. So mine is the best list of all time. Yours, eh, it's all right. Your your list is okay. (laughs) Well, one of my favorite things, one of my favorite emails that we get is from people that say, hey, I've been listening since the very beginning. So those people I love. I just want to wrap them up with both arms and give them a, a, a big bear hug, sit down and drink a couple beers with them and talk some true crime. But the thing that they always say, you guys have come a long way. I, I enjoyed you in the beginning. I've been there since the beginning, but you guys have gotten much better at what you do. So we appreciate the the uh, the pat on the back and the kind words and the encouragement. It's because of all of you out there, all of our awesome Garage Army friends that, that keep the show going. So Wait, but the funny thing is, long-time listeners, it's been so long since they heard those early episodes, they kind of forgot. It's the ones that go, I just found your show a month ago. I love it. And now I'm going back to the beginning. And I go, please don't. You might not make it back. Cherry <laughs> pick. Not... Cherry pick yeah. along cherry the way. Pick Maybe cherry way. pick yeah. using our suggestions from this show right here, from our little yeah. countdown. So my number five, Captain, I went with the Colonial Parkway Murders. We covered this case in July of 2018 in episodes 226 and 227. This made my top five for a multitude of reasons. One, the, the case itself is a fascinating case. It's it's one of my one of my favorite uh, cases as far as unsolved serial cases go. It's one that you would deem a red light case. You know, the captain came up with red light cases, cases that pop into your mind randomly. Or if you pull up and you get stopped in traffic and you're, you're sitting at a red light, a case that pops up in your mind. Well, the Colonial Parkway murders certainly is a red light case for me. And it's one that, that is so fitting to be a red light case because it's the slayings of at least eight people by a serial killer or killers along the Colonial Parkway in in Virginia. I found this on the web for how serial killer or killers. Check it out. <laughs> Jeez. There's, the, there's my assistant right there. Yeah, just, there you go. Uh, hey, yeah. nobody asked you. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you shut your mouth <laughs> when you're talking to me? So these cases go back to 1986 and went through 1989. And again, I think these cases are very solvable, and that's part of the reason that the mystery intrigues me so much. But what was interesting in putting together these cases and putting together the shows was I got the opportunity to speak with Bill Thomas, who is the brother of one of the victims, Kathy Thomas. She's one of the first victims of of the eight And it was intriguing to speak with him and to hear all of the behind the scenes information that he has learned over the years. He's worked with local law enforcement. He's worked with with the FBI, his family and the other families have been very, very involved in these cases. And again, I think that they are solvable. In fact, Bill and I set out to do a interview show. And he and I hit it off so well, we spoke for about four hours and just going round and round about all kinds of different cases, but mainly the Colonial Parkway murders. And by the end of it, 
I told the captain, I said, unfortunately, it was a brilliant conversation. So fascinating. Bill's such an interesting guy. And he knows so much about the case. I said, we can't use this for an interview show because several times he said, you, you can't, you can't say this on the show. You can't tell right. anybody this, this is information. We're not allowed to release to the public. And there were things along the way I was telling him, Bill, this is stuff that, uh, you know, what I'm about to tell you, I'm not supposed to be telling, you know, I can't use it on the show either. And by the end of it, I thought I got so turned around. I couldn't figure out what we were allowed to use and what we could not, or what we could use. So Bill is a fascinating guy. He continues to work on this case. The case is fascinating itself. The colonial parkway murders again, I think it could be solved. I think it could be solved very soon. And it's a case that we covered in episodes 226 and 227. Well, and like you said, you're talking to Bill, not just the brother of a victim, but a lot of the family members of victims become experts in the case themselves. So that's really been an honor in the last five or six years of doing the show, how many family members we've met from cases and how knowledgeable they have been and also how supportive they've been of the true crime podcast world and really supportive on what we're trying to do to shed light on the cases. That's been such an honor to be a part of the last few years. Well, and in this case in particular, Bill is, is what I would call the expert in the colonial parkway murders because, because the murders happened in, in, several different jurisdictions, there were three or four different agencies that were involved in the investigation of these crimes. And I say three or four because there are a couple of other murders that are suspected to be linked, but have never been 100% confirmed to be linked to these other murders. So because you have different investigating agencies, Bill Thomas has become the expert. He almost knows more than law enforcement because he has a good working knowledge of all of the cases where the agencies that have worked uh, this colonial parkway case, they've only worked their specific case, not all of them. So bill is, is the encyclopedia for the colonial parkway murders. And, and regardless, you know, he's still heartbroken over the death of his sister and he's heartbroken that he couldn't get answers for his parents in that regard. But, but also Bill's a fascinating, brilliant person in his, in his own right away from the case. So it was, like you said, it's, um, it's been an honor to meet a lot of these people along the way. Number five from the captain, Amy Mihailovic episode number 22 and how this episode went down was we had James Renner, true crime author, come down. We went to a studio that I used to work at. I used to intern at a music studio. We decided to do the interview there. We started off by doing an interview and a roundtable discussion about Mara Murray's case. And then you and James continued to have an interview about Amy Mihalovic's case. I went into the next room we turned down once we knew you guys were working. Uh, we just hit record, turned the volume down. I caught up with my old boss and other interns I worked with because I knew I had to edit the episode later. So then they send me the file. I edit the episode. But during the editing process, I thought, wow, this is a, wow, this is a powerful episode. So much so that once I was done editing it and I uploaded it to our podcast feed, I went and hit play (laughs) on my podcast app and listened to the whole thing again. uh, And it's, you know, obviously better edited form. It was really fascinating to me. And I think it really showed the, I think the passion you had for true crime in general, but, but the passion that you had for the Amy Mihalovic case and also Renner's, passion for true crime and Renner's passion for the Amy Mihalovic case. And I, and I remember thinking that that's important because when we started doing this, we didn't know where it was going to go or, you know, 
how how involved I would be in the actual show or would I just be sitting on the sideline hitting record. But I think this was a kind of a wake-up moment early on where I said, look, people are very passionate about these cases and I need to take uh, the production side just as serious, the making of the music just as serious, and, and, and also the research just as serious as any other individual would. I would like to give a shout-out to our buddy Joe. Who who is the owner of that recording studio? One, it's a it's a wonderful studio. They are doing gangbusters work over there. But while we were recording, in between breaks, I got to see Joe, and I hadn't seen him in years. And of course, the captain is is uh, good friends with Joe. And Joe was forgive me if I'm speaking out of turn here, but I would say one of your mentors back in the day or at least someone who taught you some of the old uh, industry tricks that he has experienced and, and learned along the way. But Yeah, he never taught me any tricks, but he kept me alive for several years uh, <laughs> by feeding me. So yeah, Joe Veer's studio, it's in a little town outside of Columbus called Grove City. Uh, the studio is called Sonic Lounge. He's produced people like uh, Boba Flex, 21 Pilots, and uh, many other bands. He's an amazing engineer and producer. So if you're looking for somebody to work with, uh, check out Sonic Lounge and producer Joe Veers. Tell him the captain sent you. Now, a shout out to Joe that I wanted to say here is um, during the break, I had mentioned to him, I said, Joe, you know, growing up in the area back in the, the late 90s, one of my favorite local bands was the band that Joe was in digital black. And I was just, you know, throwing an old, by the way, here's an attaboy for you, Joe. I, I loved your band digital black during the day, back in the day, me and my buddies would go up to the Al Rosa or to Polaris amphitheater, different places. And we saw Joe's band play several times. And the next time I saw the captain, Joe had gave a couple of digital black uh, CDs for, for Nick. And I jammed it out, rocked it out in my car for, for several weeks. So big yeah, shout out to gave Joe. Me CDs. And I said, what are these? What are these? <laughs> like, how are, how is he going to play these? <laughs> what do you do with this? How does this go into your phone? <laughs> so yeah, that was not my number five. Well, that's a perfect segue because my number four is the Amy Mahalovic case as well. And as you pointed out, we covered that in episode 22, where I sat down with James Renner, who wrote the only book that I'm aware of for Amy's case, Amy, My Search for Her Killer by James Renner. That was episode mm -hmm. 22. We did that in March of 2016. It's been a, it's been a minute, as they say, but... We also covered her case in episodes 308, 309, and then again in 345 and 346. Really what you get with the 308 and 309 episodes is a much more extended version of the interview we did with James Renner. It tells, it fills in a lot of the blanks that we just didn't have time to get to in episode 22. And then episodes 345 and 346, we go through some of the suspects and by name and why they are suspects and how they became, how they got onto the radar in Amy Mahalovic's case. I think we went through five suspects in those two episodes, and there are certainly some others that we can get to, and maybe we'll get back to Amy's case at some point. For those of you who are not aware, she was a 10-year-old victim who was abducted from the Bay Village Square shopping plaza back in 1989 and she was missing for a couple of months before her body was found about 50 miles away. I think the FBI website says 48.7 miles away from the shopping plaza, but she was found in a field in Ashland County, Ohio. And the case remains unsolved to this day. It's one that we've said all along we think it, it is solvable. We think that they will solve it someday. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, but in fairness, you say that about every case. I don't know. I don't know that I say that about every case. Um, I've her say it a lot. Her case is depressing to me because there are certainly days and certainly time periods 
where I've gone in and out of this case and walked away at times going, I don't think they'll ever solve it. So it's one that I hope and pray that they do. But uh, yeah, it's a very interesting case. Uh, It's unique for several reasons. And it's one that's, I feel like it's really grown in popularity as far as the true crime community goes over the last few years. It was certainly uh, on the national level back in 89 and 90 when the case first broke partly because it's it's always kind of been tied to the Jacob Wetterling case, just because those two victims both went missing within a week of one another from two different states. And at the time, people thought, is there any chance that these are connected because they were roughly the same age? But yeah, Amy Mahalovic, I, I share your feelings there, Captain. I, I think we did uh, really good stuff on the, on the Amy episodes. All right, number four, coming at Jeff from the Cap. Miss Elizabeth Um, BTK Mm. this would be a series that we did episode 204 to episode 207 and I really just think as far as like serial killer profiles it was very extensive this is one as far as research goes you know I listened to several other shows I watched some documentaries I even I think one book, maybe two books. But what was fascinating to me as we were creating the episodes for everybody was after all that research and thinking, I'm I'm an expert on this case, I learned something every episode. And so I, I really, that's a tip of the hat to you where I went, okay, well, the colonel beat me again. But uh, I thought it was a fascinating profile of really um a monster of an individual. Well, I never look at it as a, a competition because I would come up short every time. The music you do every week. That's is, what she said. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That is what she said. And, and yeah. reminds me every day, but um, the music that you do for each and every episode is fantastic. So of course I would come up short, but yeah, BTK was, was fascinating stuff, really good episodes. And I thought we did a great, job of laying everything out and really telling the full story as much of it as we possibly could. And it was, I'm not going to lie. It was a little heavy, a little heavy on the heart, a little heavy on the emotions to live in BTK world for a week or two. Yeah. Two weeks. Yeah. It's something that we've always looked into throughout the years, even before we started the show. I mean, you, BTK is you know, like Jeffrey Dahmer, Charles Manson, Ted Bundy. There's these, there's these names. There's these POSs that um, are just known to everybody. So, of course, we we knew a good deal about him. But it was it was interesting to dive into BTK world for a couple of weeks. But it was also heavy on the heart, heavy on the mind. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. 
Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back to the party. A little bonus episode for everybody coming at you in your mind. That's right. That's right. Best of all time. Cheers to the people up front. Cheers to the people in the back. Big shout out to the people. What's funny about this list is we 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 also took a look at other true crime shows, and we we're going to let their episodes you know be a part of this best of all time podcast but what we found was we were better than everybody <laughs> and so we wanted all the trophies it's basically like we're giving ourselves uh like an award show like the oscars or the grammys but only we get a win and we get to give the speeches every time thank you i would like to thank my mother and my father and so many other people and then the music starts playing right all right, so I think we're to number three. Number three on my list here, Captain, I have 
the Delphi murders. This is the unsolved homicide of Abigail Williams in Liberty German from February 14th of 2017. This was an interesting undertaking for the garage, for the captain and myself, because this was one of the cases and one of the first times that we decided to tackle a case that was relatively new. You know, this case unfortunately went down in February, mid-February of 2017. And here we were in the garage, I think the the first week of May, covering it for the first time. A lot of people had not covered the case, had not touched it. And if you saw anything on this case, it was not more than a nine or 10 minute clip regarding what little information was out there at the time. And still to this day, little information out there because the police, the law enforcement are holding so much back. But as I said, we first covered this in May of 2017 in episodes 110 and 111, but we revisited this case several times throughout the years. Um, in July of 2019, in episodes 320 all the way through 323, we did four episodes in a row in 2019, and then we had our discussion show episode 395. So this is a case that is always on the garage radar. It's it's always on the radar for our listeners, for our garage army out there, and it's certainly on the radar of the captain and the colonel. This is a case that there's probably, I would say, 10 or 12 cases, captain, that we seem to talk about a lot off mic. And this is a case that's creeped onto our other show off the record several times. And I right. think that this is a case until it's solved. I Here's what I look forward to. I can't wait for the day that we can, let's get a 12 pack really ice cold and, and do a great show on the, uh, when they solve it. When they, I don't think the 12 pack is going to help with the, that great show. When, when they solve this case, I want you and I to be sitting in the garage talking about it and, and telling all the details that hopefully will come out once they finally solve this case. And to, to tell you what this case means to me, a little peek behind the curtain here, I am a subscriber to the Carroll County's weekly newspaper. I have it delivered all the way to my house here in Ohio Every week I get their newspaper because I'm looking at the pictures in that newspaper, looking for bridge guy every week from the garage, hoping to find this POS. No, but yeah, no, it's a good one because it's at the time people weren't really talking about it, but I remember the NFL was putting on billboards all over the country. And so we kind of felt like, well, it's our duty to do a show. Not that we're we're going to cover it the best, but we can cover it the best we can, and we can get people talking about it. And I had I ended up meeting several people that worked the case, and they were saying from the little coverage that they're getting through the news, and by us covering it and the NFL's work by getting these billboards put up, that they were able to arrest over two hundred pedophiles that weren't registered. And so that made me feel like our our show was doing something positive in the world. So my number three is Brandon Lawson 911 tape, episode 85 and 86. And it's simply everybody, when you look at the case, the 911 call is very important. So I think, one, other people covered this case and we thought, how can we do it differently? Okay, well, we can break down this call. And I know that several people that have, and several uh, crime experts that have started to look into the case have reached out and said, Hey, I've listened to your episode. Why, when you guys are dissecting, when you guys are dissecting the 911 call, and they've used it because they didn't have the tool to slow down things or to uh, speed them up or to, to try to clean up any of the 911 calls. So they've been able to use our episodes almost as an investigative tool for them as they start looking into this case. For those unfamiliar with that case, this is another case where at the time, very little information out there. So when we talk about Brandon going missing and the events leading up to the time that he went missing, 
we're talking about that for just 15, 20 minutes of an episode. And then we spend an hour and 45 minutes or so just dissecting Brandon's 911 call because he calls into 911 that night and he's hurried. He's out of breath. It's hard to decipher what he is saying at times. And so many people have looked at that case and said, if we could just figure out what Brandon was saying, we might be able to figure out what happened to this young man. And so, yes, it was, it was an interesting undertaking and an interesting angle to take with that case. We had heard so many people say that we said, you know what, let's turn on the mics. Let's lock ourselves in the garage and let's just dissect this 911 call and see if we can figure out what it is that Brandon was saying. And maybe they can figure out what happened to this young. Well, I think, like I said, the idea too is, is bringing something new and different to the investigation or to the true crime world itself. I, I wish, um, I wish more people would do stuff like that. And instead of just, you know, knowing that a case has been covered 500 times by other shows, you know, are you bringing something extra to the table or something different to the table? Um, and I think if we, if we viewed cases like that more often, um, and, and in your opinion, it can be something new, but I think if people did that more often, we might be further along in some of the investigations of these cases. Number two for me, captain is, and I've been told by many people that this is some of our best work. It's the boys on the tracks, which was a four part series that we did back in March and April of 2017 episodes, 93, 94, 95, and 96. And the way that this came about was originally we were thinking we would just do two episodes on this case. And once we started getting into it, once we got eyeballs deep into the case itself, we quickly determined this has got to be four parts. There's just too much to tell. There's too much to this story. There's so much beneath the surface. And it kind of came about by, I read a book by Mara Leverett. Mara Leverett is one of, in my opinion, probably the most underrated true crime author of our time. She wrote um, The Devil's Knot, which is about the West Memphis Three case, and she wrote The Boys on the Tracks. She's not; She does not have an extensive catalog of true crime books, and that might be why she's not so well heard of or, or well known or, and is underrated in my opinion. She's been a longtime writer for Arkansas magazine. And I believe that that takes up most of her time. But if you get a chance, read any of her true crime books. Both of the two that we just mentioned are fantastic, really fascinating, deep dives into both cases. But when I first started reading the book, the boys on the tracks, I thought, where do I know this? Cause I kind of just randomly picked up the book. I, I knew her work from the devil's knot and I thought I want to read everything she she's wrote about. I pick it up. I'm reading it and I'm like, where have I, this case seems familiar. And then I remembered it was covered back in the day, a long time ago on unsolved mysteries in a episode that they titled friends till the end. And this is the still unsolved. And it's when you listen to these episodes, if you haven't already, you're going to go, how the hell is this thing not solved? But it's the unsolved murders of Don Henry and Kevin Ives from back in the day, 1987 in Bryant, Arkansas. And as I said, I was very proud of the work that we did on these episodes and it's still it still brings a, a, a big smile to the old Colonel's face today. When, when I still, I still hear or still get emails from people saying, I tell everybody I know about your show. I do what the captain says. I listen and I tell a friend and I always tell my friends start with boys on the tracks. There it's a, there's a really good theme song. That's right. Pat myself on the back. Thank you for giving me the Grammy. For Boys on the Tracks theme song. I appreciate it. I'd like to thank your mother. And I'd like to thank Frank. And I'd like to thank... 
um, alcohol. Yeah, we don't think alcohol enough on this show. Okay. So, yeah. Um, wait, did I tell you that's my number two, too? <laughs> you just did. <laughs> okay, there we go. I th- I Well, you blabbed on for so long that I thought I, I already said... Oh yeah, yeah, that's my number two too. So we can just move on to number one. I'll keep it. I'll keep it um, brief, going forward. <laughs> yeah, we only have we only have one left. Uh, yeah. So number one, number one of all time. All right. Before I get to my number one, I'll do a quick little recap of my top five so far. So for my best of all time, True Crime Garage number five, the Colonial Parkway Murders number four. Amy Mahalovic case episodes, number three, the Delphi double homicide, and number two, the legendary, as I'm told, that it's legendary stuff, the boys Mm. on the track. So for my number one, Captain, I went with an oldie but a goodie. This is the Austin Yogurt Shop Murders. We covered this in February of 2017 in episodes 81 and 82, and they are two jam-packed episodes. I loved, one, the work that we did on it, but two, the the suspects that we covered very thoroughly in those episodes. For me, it's one of the, the biggest homicide unsolved mysteries it's it's a red light case for me that's for certain 100 percent. it's a fascinating case and i i actually think that it's a case that could not get too much coverage i think that there you could we probably could have done four or six episodes on the case itself it's that big it's that extensive the the las cruces bowling alley massacre actually reminds me a lot of of the yogurt shop case as well. They share some similarities. There have been people throughout the years that thought that maybe there's some link between the two, but we went through a very interesting scenario in our coverage of yogurt shop where we weren't able to really tell you the names of the people that we believe that did it, but we were able to kind of tell you through eyewitness accounts, the who of it Uh, again, not the names, but the individuals we believe to be most likely to be responsible for the the homicides themselves, the two guys that were seen at the yogurt shop that night. I won't go into it too much. If if you want to dive into that, I highly, highly recommend it. Go back and check out the yogurt shop murders from February of 2017, episodes 81 and 82 on your true crime garage dial. Yeah, see, I wonder if uh, a little bit of nostalgia, but I know that is a case that you're very fascinated in. And the, and the truth is, if you ask me tomorrow to name my top five, it might be completely different. So, um, or at least rearranged a little bit. But uh, my number five is Amy Mihalovic, which was also on your list, episode twenty-two. Number four, BTK series. That's episodes 204 to 207. Number three is Brandon Lawson, 911 tape. And that is episodes 85 and 86. Number two is the series, the four-part series. Episodes 93 and 96, The Boys on the Tracks. And number one, number one of all time for me, uh, so far, I guess, is... Uh, the John Bonet Ramsey series we did episodes three fifty five to three sixty, and when we're putting together these lists, I started trying to think about you know, what is it about this case, and and my brain kind of popped something up into my head because we went over the best of. 2020, 2000, and then uh, 2020, and then of all time. And a lot of these cases, like you take the Delphi murder case, that has really rocked that area and really changes the lives of, of the locals, right? 
and you look at a case like Amy Mihalovic, and we've talked about it so many times, and so then we get feedback. I, you know, I used to know Amy. Uh, I grew up with her, or I, I knew her brother, or I knew her mother. And they tell you how much it affected their community. And then same thing with like Brandon Lawson. Same thing with when you're talking to Mara Murray's family. They tell you how much, you know, her going missing has affected their lives and their livelihoods and, and what they've been, what they might have not taken on in life because they've spent time looking for a loved one. So I think with all these cases, you see how much it affects the community and then the family members and the friends. But I think the interesting thing about John Bonet Ramsey is because it was covered in the manner in which it was covered by so many media outlets, I actually feel like it was a case that wasn't happening in Colorado. It was happening in everybody's backyard, if that makes any sense. Because it was so highly covered and very similar to like the Casey Anthony case. It was so highly publicized that it didn't feel like it was happening in Florida. It felt like it was happening in your own backyard. And therefore, so many more people were affected. And it wasn't just... um, a case that maybe changed the local community, but it was a a case that maybe changed the whole landscape of of America. Yeah, that was a case that we received a lot of praise of. We covered it in six episodes, and we here we are, December twenty twenty. It was a year ago. We were we were just putting the final bow on those episodes, and again, a lot of a lot of praise for our work that we did on that. But the case itself was extremely difficult to put together episodes for. And a lot of that was because of such widespread coverage. Like you said, Captain, it's a case that was covered so widely that it almost feels like it happened in everyone's community. And the the problem with putting together the the John Bonet episodes was there were so many times where an incident or an event or something was reported five different times five different ways there was a lot of irresponsible reporting going on in that case from the time it started all the way up until the day that we covered it and so it was a lot of sifting through things and trying for the captain and I to try to go to look at everything through all the different angles and go, okay, well, what's the truth here? What, what in this particular event on the timeline, how did it actually go down? What is the, what is the right thing to say here? What is the right thing to tell the listeners here in regards to this particular thing? Because there are so many things with that case that you can slap a question mark on and say, okay, this is something that happened before she was killed. This was something that happened after she was killed. Does it have relevancy to the case itself? It does it help point us in the direction of who did this and who's responsible for killing this little girl. So it was a, it was an interesting case to put together. It's still a case that, that obviously, I mean, fascinates me amongst everybody else as well still to this day as much as i always wanted to dive in and learn more about the case and we probably could have made it 30 some episodes because you could have went down every single rabbit hole and i also love the spirited debate that people will have about that case even with us now i appreciate it because i don't have an answer or i don't have a definitive solution to to that Mm -hmm. crime it was just a very difficult case once we started diving in, it was like, oh, yeah, we're finally covering this. And it was exciting. And then and then you remember what you're covering and and the the darkness of the case. And um, so, yeah, that I, that's something that I think will live with me for a very long time. Well, and I think with that case in particular, with John Bonet, that it's been covered so much and so often 
that it almost starts to take on a, a bit of fantasy where it almost feels like a movie or a TV show that you watched one time more so right. than, than a real life case. I mean, it's, it's a despicable, horrible murder of a child and, and you're right. When we jumped into it, when we dove into it, there was a, a certain level of excitement of going, okay, well, we're finally, we're finally getting to this. We're, we're covering a case that we said we never would. And so there was a level of excitement of excitement there, but then once you get into it and it's, it's just a heavy, dark, depressing subject. Now the case is the case itself and the, the way that we were able to present the information to everyone I thought was real interesting too, because we did it in six parts. And so we were really able to take different aspects of the case and really put a micro, uh, put them under the microscope for the entirety of an episode. You know, everybody and their cousin out there have done 45 minutes on the John Bonet case. It's just, it's just been done a million times. But we were able to look at it, I think, in a, in a bit of a different way and present it in a bit of a different way and really tear through the minutia of that case and the rumors and such and really get down to, to the, the nuts and bolts of of the thing and and look at different aspects of the case um in in our different different episodes well another reason why i think people look at the case and it almost seems like it's a, a movie or something is because of the pictures of the family a lot they had so many pose type pictures with actual like professional photographers and so many Pose type pictures of John Bonet, so many like glamour shots where, like, a case like Amy Mahalovic or whatever, you're getting a couple home pictures or maybe a, a home movie and a school photo. With with John Bonet Ramsey, you're getting hundreds of professional photos because of the, the beauty pageants and stuff that they entered. So, I think that's also a part of why it becomes more movie-like. And it wasn't released. I don't even know if it was released when we covered the case, but the actual, what they what they believe is the last picture of little John Bonet Ramsey. And it's just her looking up at her dad. And he, he took the picture because, well, it's his daughter, and he thought she looked cute. But he also just was saying how, like, tired she looked and how worn out she looked from... Christmas, but it was a kind of a proud moment as a parent. Like we must've done such a good job because she is exhausted and it's now time to go home. And and that was the last picture. And she doesn't have a bunch of makeup on and she doesn't look like a a little Katy Perry or something. She, she just looks like a little six year old kid that is wore out because of Christmas. John Bonet Ramsey. She was strangled with a cord. Little Miss Colorado. Six-year-old murder victim John Bonet Ramsey. Unknown intruder. Her brother. John Bonet Ramsey. They still have not interviewed the parents. How does your list stack up with ours? If you agree, disagree, head over to the blog, head over to our website, True Crime Garage. Again, this is the last episode of 2020 so glad to see this year go but thank you so much for the support and the love we love you and can't thank you enough that's right if you want more true crime garage during the break make sure you get stitcher premium and check out our show that everybody loves they're saying it's the next biggest show on the planet. It's called Off the Record. Check it out. You're going to love it. We love all of you. Until next time, be good, be kind, and don't litter.
This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.